I enjoy about being retired is I don't feel the pressure to follow the lectionary. Uh, I can sort of pick and choose uh, some of the texts that I want to talk about. And uh, this particular text has been one that is one of my favorites and has been on my heart. So I'd like to just play with it with you this morning a little bit and think about darkness and light. And as I began thinking about that, one of the things that came to the, the front of my thoughts was about the next solar eclipse. It's going to happen in, on April 18th in 2024. The darkness from this particular solar eclipse is supposed to last four minutes and 27 seconds. Almost twice the amount of the last eclipse. And the last eclipse that we had was in August, August 21st in 2017. Don't know if some of you might remember that. Now when these eclipses come, and they're pretty rare, we're told where you can go for the best viewing. And for this one coming up in 2024, one of the places that you can go and have the best experience of the eclipse is Indianapolis, Indiana. Now, we have already booked reservations for our family to go to Indianapolis, Indiana, and view this extraordinary event. You see, we went to the last eclipse in 2017. And guess where one of the best viewing places for that was? Cookville. Cookville was in Gallatin, Tennessee. So we all went to Gallatin, Tennessee. Now, to be honest with you, I wasn't that thrilled about it. <laughs> I mean, I've never been to an eclipse, but how could ex exciting could it be, right? But I've noticed that I end up doing a lot of things that my family wants to do that I'm not that thrilled about. And I just go along because I want to be with them and I want to be a part of things. And I've also learned that <clears throat> what usually ends up happening is that I have a spectacular time and a very memorable time. And I remember arriving in Gallatin and seeing thousands of pilgrims from all over the country going there for the viewing of this eclipse. And that fact alone perked me up a little bit. It was August, and I believe it was the hottest day I have ever experienced in my life. We parked a car, we got our blanket, we went out into this open field where there were seemed like hundreds of other people. We put our blanket down and our special glasses on and we waited. Then it happened. Slowly at first, the moon began to eclipse the sun. And then in about a minute, there was total darkness, just like night. And what I recall the most was that the birds stopped singing. 
and all the night creatures came out and started making their night sounds. They were totally confused. And the temperature dropped about 10 degrees. It was mesmerizing. So much so that we all decided that we would make every effort to attend the next one. And therefore, our plans are in the making. There's something about darkness and light that intrigues us. In some ways, it's just an ordinary event. I mean, the Earth rotates on its axis and every 24 hours holds within it some time of light and darkness. Dawn, daylight, midday, afternoon, evening, midnight, and then, as we say, the sun comes up again. <coughs> no doubt that there is something beguiling about the rhythm. But beyond its scientific explanation, we have also attached some spiritual and emotional bookmarks to light and darkness that enable us to talk about darkness and light in our souls and our psyches. We talk about light in reference to a full understanding. The light bulb may have been the first emoji for a bright idea. Spiritually, we talk about having an epiphany a moment of enlightenment and full understanding. As followers of Jesus Christ, we even sometimes refer to ourselves as children of the light. Light helps us find our way in the dark. And there are numerous scriptural references to Jesus being the light of the world. In a similar way, Darkness is often portrayed as a place of desperation, lack of understanding, <coughs> fear, depression, anxiety. We talk about a veil of darkness, shadows in the night. Who amongst us has not found ourselves afraid in a dark place? When we can't see clearly, the imagination runs wild. From monsters under the bed to real-life scary things. We can enter a dark place when we experience the death of a loved one. Sickness. When tragedy strikes. When poverty dominates. And humans don't have the ability to have basic necessities. A spirit of fear and anxiety has cast a blanket of darkness over our nation. And we feel this in our everyday lives. We're anxious about the course of our future. If you watch the news, you see senseless shootings. And our brains rattle and cause us to start trying to grasp for answers that may or may not make a difference. We are still exiting 
one of the strangest times in history where a pandemic has sent shockwaves through our economy, our healthcare system, education, and our personal relationships. I recently saw a documentary on the increased number of suicide attempts in children and how our emergency rooms are overflowing with suicide victims because there's no other place for them to go. It's not far reaching to say that darkness is a very real part of our lives. And if we are not cognizant of the effect that this fear and anxiety causes, we may get a bit overwhelmed. Dark places limit our ability to see God. They limit our ability to transform humanity, which is our task as followers of Jesus Christ. We are the ones called to bring the light of Christ into this dark world and to constantly be on the lookout for light in the midst of darkness. Which may be why I have always loved this verse from the Gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In her book, learning to walk in the dark, Barbara Brown Taylor proposes that the dark has as many lessons to teach us as the light. And as a way of trying to learn more about darkness, she made up for herself an experiment. She and her husband owned a small cabin in the woods, and she decided to go there and spend some time focusing on the darkness. So at night, she turned out all the lights in an attempt to experience the darkness more fully. But light kept creeping in. First, it was the clock on the microwave. Then the blue glow of the lights from other unplugged appliances, laptops, printers, VCRs, cable boxes. It took quite a bit of effort to put out all the lights. <coughs> After exhausting herself, she finally grabbed a blanket and headed outside, down a path toward the lake. Away from the house, she thought she could find darkness. But even on a night when the moon was not full and the sky was partially overcast, stars blinked and occasionally a plane or a satellite would cross the sky. And as hard as she was trying to experience darkness, light kept creeping in. Which might be the most profound theological truth that the Gospels continually attempt to tell us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Stephen Curtis Chapman is one of my favorite Christian artists. He's written some beautiful music, won Grammys and given a concert at Carnegie Hall. But at the zenith of his career, 
he and his wife lost their five-year-old little girl. She was struck by an SUV driven by, get this, her brother. And it happened in their driveway at home. The brother didn't see her. You talk about tragic. You talk about a dark place. Particularly for someone who makes their living writing songs about God's glory and goodness. How do you do that when something that dark happens? Well, no doubt, he and his family went through a very difficult and dark time. But from that darkness, there has emerged a tremendous testimony of faith. It's not a syrupy, sappy one, but it's one that gives true testimony to the deep angst and struggle that he had dealing with this loss and this darkness in his life. On his newest album, titled Still, he has a song called Don't Lose Heart. Now, I think it speaks to this darkness and this struggle that he went through. Listen to some of the lyrics. Another sleepless night praying hope comes in the morning light. Right now, you're feeling like you've lost the fight and fear is screaming out your name. When you say, God help me, you wonder if God's even listening. Truth is, I've wondered the very same thing. So, you don't have to feel ashamed. Let me walk with you this battle and tell you all that I've learned to be true. Don't lose heart. Don't you dare let go. I've been where you are. You are not alone. I know it gets dark. I know it gets hard. But you're going to make it home. Don't lose heart. Take my hand and I'll show you all the scars from where I've been. Remind you how we both know this story ends. When I was a pastor in Marstown, Tennessee, I would read this line of scripture every year at our Christmas Eve service. It was one of our most attended services of the year. All the people's family was in, and they would, it was their tradition to come to church. Sometimes we would have five or six hundred worshipers in attendance on Christmas Eve. It was a candlelight service, which meant at one point we turned out all the lights, and every participant would light a candle that they had been given as they entered into worship. The candlelight started with the Christ candle. It was our tradition to have an Advent wreath. I believe you all have that. And you know that during Advent, you light a candle every week as you move toward Christmas Eve where you can light the Christ candle. So with all the lights out, we would light 
the Christ candle, and then start from the Christ candle to the congregation. And from there, it would begin to go down the aisles, sharing the light. And it was always stirring to me to stand at the front of the church and watch the glow of those candles grow as this dark room became encompassed with light. It was definitely a physical moment where the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. But as a pastor, I was fully aware of all the darkness that was in that room. Not only the physical darkness that happened when we turned the lights out, but the thick, heavy burdens of fear and anxiety that my well-dressed, happy-faced flock drug into that sacred space. It was also divinely apparent that this act of worship and candle lighting on Christmas Eve somehow penetrated that darkness with a resounding chorus of hope. It's no doubt that there's a reason why throughout Scripture repeatedly we hear the words, fear not. <clears throat> when we recite the Apostles' Creed in a few minutes, as our affirmation of faith, you will know that there's a line there that says, He descended into hell. It's talking about Jesus, and it has been a very controversial line. Some people don't like it. In fact, they take it out, and they don't allow that line to be said in the Apostles' Creed. They can't imagine that Jesus, the Son of God, would go to hell. That's just offensive. But it comes from an obscure passage in 1 Peter where Jesus said that he preached even to the dead, those judged in the flesh like men, that they might live in the spirit like God. Frederick Bigner suggests that rather than being seen as a blasphemous phrase or impossible for the Son of God to go to hell, perhaps the message is that hell is the darkest place imaginable. And even there, Jesus would go to shine a light in that darkness so that the darkness could not be overcome by the light. What a message of hope for us. That there is no dark place we can go. That the light of God's love will not find its way to break through that darkness. The light of God's love shines in the darkness. And the darkness shall not overcome it. 